Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. But uh, grateful that we could join uh, together, uh, centering our attention on God's word. You're joining us as we are navigating through Luke's gospel. And the title of our series is Fulfilled, where we're looking at how in Christ God's promises are fulfilled. And today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 12. And so I want to jump right in and read the passage, Luke chapter 12. Uh, I'll be reading from verses 13 to 21. And so if you have your Bibles, you can, you'll see it with me, and it will be on the screen behind me. Uh, and just so you know, so usually when uh, we speak or I speak, I use the ESV, uh, but today I'm using the CSB Bible because apparently I don't know how to pronounce a word. Uh, I say covetousness, but apparently that's not how you say it. It's how you're supposed to say it. So because of that, I chose the easier translation, and the word is greed. So if you're wondering why did David switch it up, that's why, so I can pronounce the word. Greed. So however you say that C word, that's the ESV word, and I'll leave it to you to figure it out. But apparently, I shared covetousness, and Luke thought I was speaking Yiddish. So Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 uh, to 21, it reads as follows. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, He said, who appointed me a judge, this is Jesus, or arbitrator over you? He then told them, watch out, be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. I'll store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is for us to uh, look to you. As we prayed earlier, Lord, search our hearts. See if there is any way in us that is offensive to you. So, Lord, we commit this, our time, into your hands, asking that you would guide us, uh, point us to what's real, We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Again, those of you that have been following along with us in Luke, we spent three weeks on Sundays in Luke chapter 10, and prayerfully as you've been following along in the daily, you've read through, whether it's in community groups or on your own, you've read through uh, Luke chapter 11, and this morning we find ourselves in Luke chapter 12. In Luke 11, uh, Jesus, he's been going in on folks. Uh, Some would say he's not been very nice. He, He pronounces woes 
to the Pharisees. A Pharisee invites him over to, to, to eat, and he begins pronouncing woes on the Pharisees. Then you turn to chapter 12, and then Jesus is saying, man, don't be afraid. If, if you're afraid about someone that can hurt your body to kill you, he says, don't fear that. Fear the one that can deal with your soul. And so Jesus has been doing some heavy teaching of recent. Again, Luke chapter 9, he's pivoting, he's heading towards Jerusalem, and he's been teaching heavily, and all of a sudden there's an interruption in the crowd. Someone shouts out. Again, in the context of this teaching, you would think he's going to ask a question. Lord, you said this, but I don't understand, but you saw it in verse 13. Someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This request sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Someone in the family has died, and maybe the one brother is keeping the portion of the inheritance. And so he comes to Jesus with a simple request. He's not asking to inherit more than his brother. He just wants Jesus to make the pitch for fairness. And look at Jesus' response in verse 15. He doesn't immediately respond to to what's going on with his brothers. He says, watch out. He says, be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. To which I pause and say, wait a minute, time out, Lord. When does desiring fairness equate to being greedy? And Jesus is strong with this. He says, watch out. When someone says watch out, that means there is something that might actually hurt you. So be on the lookout for it. Watch out. Not only watch out, he says be on guard. As though there was an attack coming your way. He says, guys, be on guard. And what are we supposed to be on guard about or or, or, or watching out for? He says greed. Greed. That there is a tendency within the heart of each and every one of us, to, and this can go unchecked. And so he says, watch out, be on guard. How would we define it? I think it's best said it's simply craving more of what you already have enough of. That there are certain things that you have in life, and there's this desire for more, and Jesus says, watch out. He says, be careful. And if we look at the world we live in, we live in a very consumeristic society, we have access to any and everything. I mean, I haven't walked on planet Earth for that long, but the little bit I've been here, man, it's easy to get things. Right? Before, you'd have to jump in the car and, like, go shopping, stand in lines. Amazon.com. You don't have to go anywhere. They will bring it to your doorstep. I'm lazy, guys. CVS just sent me a text message because I need to pick up my prescriptions. But lest I turn the key and come, CVS says, don't worry. We'll bring it to you. And so we live in a world where we have access to so many things. And Jesus is saying, guys, check your hearts. Be careful. Now, in this particular culture, it wasn't necessarily a consumeristic. The, the challenge when Jesus is beginning to uh, unpack this is those who had couldn't hoard it. They had to be mindful that they were other people. There was a big divide between the rich and the poor, and the problem in that culture, and maybe it's similar today, is the rich got rich, the poor got poor, and the rich weren't looking out for those who were poor. And so Jesus is beginning to address that. You see, what we see and what Jesus sees is often very different. 
Jesus looks at this man in the midst of a family feud over money, and he sees that his obsessive need for a fair share is beginning to twist, is beginning to gnaw, and is beginning to grapple his heart. I love what Haddon Robinson, a preacher, he says, the birds would never sing again for this man. The flowers would never bloom again. The sun would never shine again as brightly until somehow he got what he thought was his fair share of his inheritance. He was obsessed. There he was standing in the presence of the creator of the universe. There he was, God incarnate, and his mind was fixed on money. This guy's priorities were messed up. He placed his life at the center of all things. But isn't that what greed does? Doesn't greed cause us to rearrange our priorities? I dare suggest that greed is oftentimes blinding. It blinds us to what's going on. And in his greed, this man that comes to Jesus basically says, Jesus, I need you to be Judge Judy right now. I need you to fix this to which Jesus says, be careful. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not mindful, if we don't constantly check our hearts towards greed, we'll, we'll, we'll check our hearts, we'll begin to see our possessions as the very things that give us security. And these things give us a false sense of security. And there's a tendency so for so many to believe, my, my life will not be complete unless I get that thing. And Jesus says, be careful. And so with this question, the young man asks Jesus, Jesus then addresses those gathered because this question is now an opportunity to help people unpack what is going on deep in the heart of each and every one of us. Jesus addresses everyone gathered and tells a parable about a rich rich landowner who carefully stores his wealth ahead of his retirement, only to learn that his life is about to end and calls him a fool. I want to read it again. It says, verse 16, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's busting out the seams. His crops are doing good. He doesn't have place to store this. So he says, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. How many of you want to just get to that place, right? Like, I like this guy. He's like, he's like my hero. That you get to a place in life where you can just take it easy. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not taking it easy. I got to, like, put food in people's mouths. I got to take care of family. He's, he's at a place where he says, man, I, I, will, I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, so all my grain goods. Then I'll say, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat. Drink. Enjoy yourself. But God says to him, you fool, this very night, your life is demanded of you, and the things you prepared, whose will they be? Again, I read this, just like the previous guy. What's what's the problem? What's wrong with planning ahead? What's wrong with saving for a rainy day? What's wrong with making wise choices when it comes to one's possessions? But there again, what we see and what Jesus sees is often very different. Jesus sees an isolated, insecure soul who has forgotten human connections. He's forgotten God's generosity and God's provision. He's forgotten stewardship. And now he lives a very self 
centered life. When you go home, read over this passage, look at how many times it's I, I, I. Look at this passage, me, my. And don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with wealth. I mean, we read it earlier in our, in, our, in, our, in our collective reading. It says, the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's, it's nothing wrong with having possessions. We just can't make these things the ultimate thing. When we make what we have the ultimate thing, we will be consumed by greed. And the Bible says we begin to practice idolatry. Colossians 3 verse 5 says this. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Friends, if we don't put this in check, if we become greedy, if we begin to covet, this goes back to the Ten Commandments, don't want what someone else has. Find satisfaction in him. And the check in Colossians 3 is we're basically saying, God, you're not enough that I don't feel safe, that I, I need something else. I need something to give me security. See, those that are greedy seek their identity and ultimate security in their possessions. And unfortunately, that's, that's the bread and butter of the society we live in, right? Get more, and if you get more, you're good. I mean, that, that's the game we play at home. It's called Monopoly, <laughs> right? What's the goal of Monopoly? Get everything. Friends, do you know there's a new version of Monopoly? I made, oh, she might be watching. I was a great father and bought my daughter this wonderful gift. It's the new version of Monopoly. It's called Monopoly, the longest game ever. <laughs> Unlike traditional old school Monopoly, you know, the, the way you win in the new version of Monopoly, you have to win every property on the board. Yeah, take that's why it's the longest game ever. <laughs> But, but that's what our culture is teaching us to do. That if you want to make it in this life, it's not enough just to have one. You got to get two. You got to, you got to take from other people, and it's destroying us. It's interesting. When you begin talking about money, it does something to people. You start talking about money, and it, it, it has this fascinating ability to distort us. You talk about scripture and money, and many become very defensive. And Jesus said, if that's us, it's foolish. This landover, landowner has everything he could ask for, but it's not enough. Friends, it's foolish to think our lives are defined by what we have. I mean, look at the past year we've been in. A lot of people lost a lot of things. And so if your life is defined by what you have, woe unto us when we lose. Please remember who you are is always more important than what you have. Who you are always is more, because a day will come. This is what this passage teaches us. Well, that thing, that thing that gives you security, that thing that gives you identity, that thing that you attribute value to, a day will come where that can disappear. And that is what has happened for so many people. Younger, old, man, this past year has been a season where a lot of people had to give up. If not, things were taken from them. 
We were limited in what we were able to do. And so if our hope is in those things, this is why Jesus would say, it's foolish. But Jesus isn't finished there yet. In Luke 12, 21, Jesus says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So that begs the question, right? We see the problem, greed, don't covet. Here's the solution, be rich towards God. And so I ask, how do we become rich towards God? Or better, what does a heart that is rich towards God look like? And I guarantee most of you in here want me to tell you the answer, don't you? But then I rob you of what you and the Lord can do in this moment. Colin spoke about it last week, this, 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 this abiding in Christ. And so what, what, I want you to imagine what it looks like to be rich towards the Lord. I'll give you a hint. This is where we're going next week. It's, it's a recentering. It's a reordering of priorities. That's what the next section of this passage is going to teach us, is how we got to recenter life. But consider, I mean, because, again, you know how to be rich in the world we live in, right? And so what would you do to be rich in the world we live in? And Jesus says, now be rich toward God. That's, that's what we need to spend the week understanding. How is it? What is my heart? What is the disposition of the heart that is rich towards God? At the end of the day, when we're rich towards God, man, there is a satisfaction that is to come that no one can take it away from me. This is where, where uh, uh, Job can say, man, the Lord giveth, the Lord take it away. Blessed be his name. My, my hope is not in these things. And so then what does Jesus do? Jesus confronts the rich landowner with the most chilling of words. And I want to remind you of what Jesus said to him, and he says it to us this morning. He says, this very night... Your life is demanded of you. Literally, when he says demanded, this man is in debt. There is a requirement. Payment is due. The life we have is a gift from God, and the time has come for this young man to make payment. Friends, are we listening? What would we change if we really believed that our lives were demanded by God? What would we do differently if we believe that God does, in fact, demand of our lives, not just at that time when we depart, but what if he's demanding even now? And I believe he does that every moment, every single day, in every single way, he's asking of us. And so here's the heart check. In this particular passage, you have a young man, his life is centered on himself. Jesus, help me out with my brother. You have the rich landowner, me, myself, and I. At the crux of our faith is a generosity towards others. That all that we have, whether it's material possessions or it's the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is meant to be shared with others. Are we hoarding or are we giving away? At the end of the day, the question remains, how do I be rich towards God?
And my prayer is that in the week ahead, in discussions with others, we can begin to unpack that truth so that next week when we gather again, we see what it means to be rich towards God. That's my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you.